on today's episode of Gathering the Kings. The mindset there for some, they haven't worked that muscle to be able to be okay with the disappointment of I didn't hit the 1.8. They haven't figured out how to flip it on its head of no, you hit the 1.6 instead of the 1.5. So you actually crushed what you were yeah. going to do, but because you can't quite get it, what would you suggest to that listener right now who's, who struggles with that? You are listening to Gathering the Kings with Chaz Wolf, featuring fellow seven, eight, and even nine figure business owners who have real battle scars from business and life, but have prevailed as the king that they are designed to be. We welcome high performing entrepreneurs to the stage in order to reveal the real of the real on what it takes to build a successful business today. We dissect the good and bad decisions they've made along the way that give a true and accurate picture of the journey of success and how you too can get there. Through this dialogue, you will learn the value of growing your network and surrounding yourself with power players and kings like today's guest. Grab your pen and notebook because we're about to dive in. What's up, everybody? I'm Chaz Wolf, Gathering the Kings podcast. Today, we're lit with Mr. Ryan Fox here on the King stage. My brother, Ryan, how we doing? Good, man. How are you? I'm awesome, man. I was... um. You know, I realized as I was saying that joke of being lit, obviously you're in the lighting business. I'll give you that chance in a second, but all the all the guests aren't going to really know until now. And it's now funny, but it's not funny then. But <laughs> Ryan, tell us what kind of business or in this case, businesses that you have. Yeah. So number one, we own Lights All Year, which is a Christmas light and landscape lighting installation business. And then we do gutter cleaning, power washing. It's called Outback Gutter Vac. And then Concrete Floors, which is concrete coatings all year. And then we also have a mastermind we just started called Beyond the Bulbs. And so that's for lighting companies. Beyond the Bulbs. Well, I think that you're going to be able to provide a ton of value here today. Multiple businesses similar home service industries, but different industries, yep. tons of experience and value. And, and then you get to help other people do the same thing in the lighting business. So I think this is going to be pretty cool. Before we jump in too far into your story, I got to know, like inside of Ryan, deep down the burning desire, we, we mentioned thinking grow rich a few seconds ago when we were talking about masterminds, but it talks about definiteness of purpose and this burning desire. What's yours? Oh man. So I think my main why I guess what you would call it is my thing is, I don't want to just say legacy because I think it's more than that, but it's my thing is, is okay, I have all this knowledge and right. And I can take it and I can build a successful company for myself and, you know, whatnot and make some money, make a lot of money. And, you know, that's great. And that's awesome. Right. But is that really fulfilling? And so, or I can go and help thousands of, you know, people along the way and help them grow their companies. And then you look at the ripple effect of what, who does that affect? Does that affect their employees, their clients, you know, their families? Like right. that outreach is amazing. So I think about like, you know, well, when I die, like the people that I've reached, whether they know I had an input on their life or not, because it was through the owner of their business, you know, learned something from me. So that to me, I think is the main reason why, you know, I do what I do. So, I mean, I think for a long time, obviously, yeah, everybody starts a company and they're like, I want to, I want to do this. I want to make money. And then, then it gets to a level where they're like, okay, what's next. And that's for me is helping other people. Yeah. And I, I agree with you. I'm in alignment with that. What was the, like the catalyst for that change? Because you're right. It doesn't always start out that way. And typically the people who are still in the, I do it for money and a little bit more of like here and now type of reasons, they hear your answer and they think, ah, uh, that's fluffy and that's not real. And, but something happened uh, yeah. along the way that, that tipped you over to that. What was it? So we became, me and my business partner became trainers for Christmas lights, probably about nine years ago now. 
and we got to be trainers. And so I was training other people and that was my first taste of like teaching other people, you know, my knowledge. Right. And then it just kept growing and growing and growing. And then we started going to conventions and people knew us as Christmas light guys because we'd go to power washing conventions and we'd have booths set up and they'd come talk to us. And they're like, wait, you do how much in lights and this is not a season. And, this, and like, so I think it was, you know, I think when I realized that I could be a value to other people, it was like a switch that transformed me. And in my mind that I was like, oh my gosh, like this, I can have a real impact on people's lives, you know? And it was, it's just one of those things that, I think you don't really realize the impact you have on other people sometimes um, when we're busy running our companies and this and that. I mean, you know, like your employees and that, you know, you're a leader in your company, but then outside of that. And so that's kind of, I think what happened with me. And then, you know, I just, I just really like helping people, man. I just like showing up and helping people. So. Yeah. I I think you gave a really easy, like understanding there of you get a little taste, right. And, and leadership works the same way, even in our own businesses, as you've been building, you bring on a person, you train them, you get the fulfillment of them going and do the thing and feeling good about it, just like you used to as the craftsman or whatever the scenario yep. is. And like, oh, like that felt good. And and then I help them make a little bit of money. And then I help them maybe buy a new car or whatever the scenario is as a leader or even boss. But to your point, when you start helping other people who maybe have no financial connection to you, I think you and I were saying we, we did that for a long time before we charged, right? Yeah. It's fulfilling. And then at some point you just only have so much time. So you have to charge. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's funny. I was telling my wife not too long ago and I said for a long time we were teaching people and I was making some money, but I wasn't making great money doing the trainings, but I got to travel around different cities in the United States and, yeah. you know, put on trainings. I got to meet all these people and my network was growing. Right. That's right. And, That's right. and so people look to me as a, you know, an influential person in that industry. And for a long time, I'm like, I'm doing this for something. I don't really know what the end game is, but there's some reason I'm doing this. And then we started this mastermind and I'm like, this is it. This is what it was for. This is the catalyst. God was telling me for a long time, you keep doing this. You got to keep doing this. And then all of a sudden it's like, aha, like moment. And it's like, this is it. And so, you know, and I know you, 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 similar thing with you starting the mastermind. And so that's, you know, and it's not that, People are like, well, can't you start a mastermind and not charge? Well, you can, but no one's going to show up. They yeah, got to pay to play. value. Yeah. Yeah. They got, cause, cause you got to pay to play, right? You got to have skin in the game and until money's exchanged, it's not a real thing. Actually, one of the guys in our mastermind tried to start his own mastermind for free two years ago. And it fizzled out after, after the first season, because he said that nobody had any skin in the game. It was me and one guy at the, after the season, that was it. And he's like, so that's why I want to join y'all's because. He's like, I know you're actually going to take it to the next level. He's like, you're going to do what I wanted to do. So everything that you're saying is spot on for the person that's listening that might wonder, right? Like, well, why does Ryan charge? Maybe they're in the lighting business and they need to be part of your mastermind. Or maybe they're just a seven to nine figure business owner and they've been thinking about joining Gathering the Kings. Either way, they're wondering, why do I need to pay to be part of your group? And it's it, that's the wrong thinking. It's, mm-hmm. I want to, I want to exchange money so that I'm committed <laughs> to the things that I already know I need to do. But now I have a group of people around me that are also committed and they've also paid. We've all, we've all leveled up to the same level. And it's like, what comes out of that environment is completely electric. And then on top of that, for you and for me, it makes it worth it because guess what? We make a lot of money in other places. And so if I'm going to facilitate an environment where yes, I'm getting value, but also, you're getting value, and I'm going to take my attention away from the things that I'm also making money from. It's going to have to be worth our time. Yeah. And that's okay. 
that's business, right? That's a hundred percent what it is. And that's hundred percent what it is for business. And, and the thing is, is, you know, iron sharpens iron kind of thing, you know? So like you said, we will get some value as ourselves out of the group. You know, a lot of it. I mean, every time I train somebody or whatever, I always learn something from them. It doesn't matter. They can be the smallest guy, you know, just started his company up to, you know, a guy doing seven figures. It doesn't matter. There's always somebody you can always be learning from other people. But I really love that the mastermind is, you know, why we did it as a mastermind, just like probably like you did, it's peer to peer. So it's, you know, it's the group helping everybody, not just us as the who started it, but everybody's yeah. going to level everybody up. And at the end of the year, you know, we look back in a year and we're like, oh, wow, like, look at everybody here. You, you, yeah. you, you wanted to grow this much and you grew this much now because of us. But the biggest thing is accountability, I think. Yeah. And I'd say that's probably one catalyst that's helped me in my business is I've had a couple different coaches throughout the past couple of years. Well, what, three or four different coaches. And they really pushed me at times to be accountable. Right. I knew I needed to do stuff, but I was kind of like, yeah, I'll get to it later. And they're like, no, like one of them, she put, she told me, she gave me one day, she's like, Ryan, you got to get off the truck. You got to do sales full time. You're awesome at sales. You need to do it. And we yeah. grew 73% that year because I got yeah. on the truck, you know? So yeah. And because she pushed me to do that, you know, yep. I, I, deep down, I knew I needed to do it. I was just comfortable on the truck, right? Comfortable. So then I had to learn getting awesome. uncomfortable, right? Yeah, there's so many, you're dropping so many principles and nuggets. The, the, the exchange there, the reason why you, you allowed her to push you is because you paid her. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> if she was just a friend giving you advice, you just would have kept doing the thing that you were doing, but you thought to yourself, whether he was even, you know, conscious or subconscious, it was like, okay, I've paid her. She's some level of expert. I should, I should heed. I should listen. I should, I should do the thing that she's saying, which then pushed you into the action that has led you to where you are. I love everything that we're talking about. Let's talk about for a half second, your story on how you even got into business to begin with. You, you mentioned yep. you got several of them. What was, what was it like? What was Ryan before business and how did he get a, you know, in business? <laughs> so we got to go all the way back to when I was like a little kid. Because I was one of the ones that started entrepreneurship really early on. Yeah. So I was probably probably eight or nine. And me, my sister, and another brother sister decided we want to do a lemonade stand, just like every kid, right? Right. As that, especially visionaries like ourselves, we're like, hey, we can do this. We can make money. Well, we did yeah. make some money the first day because our neighbor was being <laughs> built. All the guys that were building the houses came and bought you know, lemonade. Well, they wanted their money and they wanted to go buy stuff, right? The store, dollar store, whatever. And I'm sitting there. I'm like, mom. I could build this. And, and my dad owned his own company. So I grew up in the hub. He started when I was six, I think. So I had a couple of years of watching him and yeah. I was like, mom, I can take this money and I can go buy like Cokes and cookies and chips and, you know, other stuff. Things to sell I can them. charge more yeah. for. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And so she's like, okay. So she took me to the grocery store and I bought some stuff and I sat there for like two weeks selling stuff every day. And it was like, right where you had pulled in the neighborhood, you, you was only six houses this way. And there was like 200 this way. So like everybody had to pass by. So, uh -huh. um, smart, you know, so I did it and uh, it was just me by myself. And, you know, I probably made, I don't really know, maybe a couple hundred bucks probably over those sure. two weeks, you know, but at that time I thought it was a millionaire, you know, You're right. Rich. <laughs> well, they, they wanted back in my sister and the other brother and sister wanted back in. And my dad told him, no, you, you took your money, you got out. He's been running it. That says, if you want to do your own stand, you got to do your own stand somewhere else. And of course they didn't want to do that. Cause I would have been tough. Right. So yeah. that was my very first thing with taste of entrepreneurship. And then when I was 11, my dad said, you need to start mowing yards in the neighborhood. He was the one that told me I should start doing it. I was like, okay. So he gave me the mower, his riding mower with like the cart hooked up to it and the push mower, the weed eater and all that. And he's like, yeah. go make flyers, go knock on doors, you know, pass them out, get yards. And so I was probably doing like about 10 yards a, a summer taking care of them. 
and I'd make like eight, 10 grand, you know, in a summer mowing yards. And so, um, and I was a saver, so I wouldn't spend it. I would tell my parents, I'm going to save it and buy a four wheeler at the end of the summer, but then I wouldn't want to. So then they're like, yeah. we got to go get your bank account because you have all this money in your room. Yeah. That's not good. So then I went, had to go get a bank account. Well, then I was 16. He, he went and bought me a whole commercial setup, like commercial okay. mower, everything. He said, I'm your bank. You have a note. This is your monthly note. You have to pay it back in two years. Yeah. And he's, he didn't charge me interest though. So he was, he was being nice with that, but he did charge me a monthly note. I paid it back in just over a year. It was like, say it was like $8,500 or something. Sure. I paid it back in just over a year. And then when I was 18, he made me go into the bank and I had been banking with already had my business and stuff. And I got my first big commercial mower myself below. Yeah. He made yeah. me go in. He's like, you go in by yourself. I'm not going in with you. You work the deal. And they saw that I was doing like, you know, $40,000 a year in revenue. And so they're like, we'll, we'll finance it. you for a mower for nine grand or whatever. So I did it and yeah. got it and everything. So that's pretty much how it started. And then I went to college for a year, but it wasn't for horticulture, but it just wasn't my thing. And then my parents had some financial issues. And so I dropped out and just started doing the landscaping and started getting a tree work a little bit. And then my business partner now is working with me just as a, as like my right-hand guy. And then we kind of separated for a little bit. And then I went and worked to did sales for two, a landscaping company, a tree company, and then a foreman for a landscaping company. That was like a matter of like a year and a half. Sure. And I was like, this isn't for me, man. I need to be doing my own thing. Like I'm not happy. And so I'm like, I'm selling all these jobs to this tree company. I can just do it myself. Well, my yeah. business partner now, same guy, he had been working for a landscaping company. This was right in 09 and um, the recession was hitting. And so he had gotten laid off and they, he was just a subcontractor for them. So we just kind of merged together, started a landscaping tree company. And we just literally started knocking on doors because there was a big flood. And so we just started knocking on doors and getting all this tree work and he had a dump truck. I had ropes and chainsaws and I knew the guys and the workers. And so that's how we, we just we threw it, it all together. <laughs> yeah. And man, early on we did, we were, we didn't know. I wish I knew what I knew now. We didn't have a website. Everything was yeah. referrals, word of mouth. We had picked up, I don't know if you know, quick trip gas stations at all. Oh, yeah. We have oh, them yeah. here in Atlanta. Oh, we yeah. picked up their contract. The first, they almost put us out of business because the first year we did like a hundred grand with them, but they owed us like 75,000 at one time. And wow. you know, we like just starting off in 09, we were like, holy crap. Like we can't even pay our bills. Like it was, it was kind yeah. of scary. Right. Got over that though, you know, and we were quickly doing about half a half a million a year within a couple of years, like maybe two, three years. And then we added lights in 2012 could supplement the winter time. And that really helped. And then, then we kind of got to a point where we're like, okay, tree work's really dangerous. If we want to keep doing that and scale it, that's very dangerous. Insurances cost a lot. So we were like, maybe we'll start looking at something else. And then Outback Guttervac approached us. And they, we were the first licensee, it's a franchise, we were the first licensee to prove the model. Out of 30 companies, they chose us to go with them. And then we were the first franchise wow. as well. And that was in 2015. And then 2015, we, we started that. 16, we kind of phased out the tree business and went all into that and the lights. And then started doing concrete coatings in 2021. So that's wow. kind of been like how it's how it's gone but christmas lights is our number one service now the rest of them yeah. are just keep my guys busy um you know we do seven figures in three months with christmas lights so yeah that's a it's, it's a crazy. lot of lights in a short amount of time and like you yeah. said the, they can stay busy the rest of the year which makes for a whole a, a well-rounded business if it's kind of all together but bro you've got you know experience here there and everywhere I, I felt like a little bit of listening to my own story there i feel like there's sometimes where people ask me well chaz what do you do and i'm like well i, I did this for a while 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 and they're like and what do you do now and like all of it 
Velvet, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm like, the only thing like, I don't do is the trees. And they're like, oh, do you miss it? I'm like, no, I don't miss it. Like, yeah. I get that all the time. People ask me, I'm like, no, that was the hardest work. I mean, it made me how we are, you know, and it taught me That's a lot right. about business and everything, but it's, That's right. I would never go back to it. Uh, yeah, I can see that. I, I, I haven't trimmed a tree, so I can't speak from experience, but I can appreciate that at least. You know, the the interesting part of the story is that you've you've been in the lane. It's been, you know, there's been like maybe, you know, like, a couple different, you know, lanes within the freeway, but you've been on the, yeah. on the home service freeway and <clears throat> you've replicated yourself and reinvented yourself. And that's, that's really what I'm pulling out of like the value of, of what I've heard so far is that, you know, there's probably a lot of duplication. A lot of the things that worked over here work over here. Yeah. And you're not like reinventing yourself completely. There's a, it's a little bit different niche. It's a little bit different service. It's a little bit different fulfillment or operation, but generally speaking, this is like, we just take this out. We take this and we, we we move it over here. It's cookie cutter. You know, it's a better opportunity for us to be able to kind of move together as you're adding services is what I'm hearing you say. Am yeah. I, am I picking up with your land down? Yeah, exactly. Yep. It's cool, man. Well, so the impressive thing there, obviously seven figures in, in a two to three month period of time in, in Christmas lights is, is it's actually not impressive. It's ridiculous. <laughs> so yeah. good for you. I want to know of a good choice that you made. In this long history that you just gave of all these businesses that you've started, some that you've let go, some that you're still operating yeah. today, what was that one major choice that's led to a lot of your success? Probably, I've had to say kind of like two things, I guess, in a way. But I'd say like number one was getting into Christmas lights because that's been phenomenal. It's took me to where, you know, our passion is. That's my passion now. And, you know, we're most spend most of my time and energy and I just love it. So I'd say... And the funny story was, is my business partner was mowing his grass and one day and called me up and was like, Hey, I figured out what we can do in the wintertime. We can hang Christmas lights. So I'm like, no one's going to pay us to hang Christmas lights. And then now here we are, you know, well, 11 years later and people are paying us a lot of money to hang Christmas lights. So it was kind of, and it's, it's just kind of funny story, but I'd say that's probably number one. And then number two, which was a really tough decision is to get out of the tree business because my dad was working for us doing sales at the time. And we let him go during that when we, we transitioned off because I was like, I'm going to go into sales full time. And yeah. we've been doing the power washing. And so we kind of had to take two steps back to take three steps forward. And it was a really tough year that year to do that. But we knew deep down in our hearts, like me and my business partner both just looked at each other one day and was like, we just got to get out of this. We, we're not happy. It's, it's, we're coming to work and we're miserable. We, we, I could just see it on both our faces. And so it was one of those times, pivotal times that like, you know, and I'm sure everybody's had them in business where you have to make a decision that's super tough. And, and so we had to do that, but in, in the long run, it's an awesome decision. But at the time it was a really tough, like six, seven months. Yeah. And then it seemed like everything that could go wrong in business went wrong in that year. It was just yeah. like, one of, I was like almost time, every time the phone rang, I'm like, what is it now? And yeah. We were, yeah. we were actually, my house was being built and I was living with my in-laws and my father-in-law one morning was like, Ryan, how, how are you getting up every day and going to work? I was like, well, I have people that rely on me, employees. I was like, what am I going to do? Just sit here and feel sorry for myself because of everything yeah. that's happening. I'm like, yeah. and he's like, you're super resilient. And I'm like, well, yeah, I mean, I guess you could say that. I was like, but it's just, what's the choice? You know, what's the other, yeah. like when you're an entrepreneur, you have nobody telling you, you have to do what you got to, you're the only person, like, unless you have a coach or something like we talked about, like, besides that, it's just you, like, and, yeah. you know, and, and then when you got employees, like they're relying on you for their livelihood. So I was just yeah. like, that's my only choice, you know? So. Yeah. The, I, I have to take this opportunity to take that mindset and give it to the listener because we call it the weight of the crown. And 
you know, when, when big business owners get together, yeah, there's some tactics in business. How do you get more accounts and how do you build a team? Like there's a lot of tactics. I get it. Yeah. But there is, there is a lot of mindset around what you just shared is that whether it's in the sticky moment or in the glorious moment of that, we just took over the next kingdom over, or we're just barely holding on. There's a pressure or what I like to call weight. And it's, that weight is what literally makes the difference between you and me and then the non-king. And, yep. and it's not necessarily money or a seven or nine figure business, although the pressure or the weight usually establishes itself at a certain point in business because you have a certain number of people that you're accountable to. You have clients yep. and family and maybe a community or church or all these things and all these people. And then you have this one person and all the weight comes down on this one person and nobody really realizes it except for the one person. And it's heavy. And mm -hmm. it's also okay because guys like you and I are like, put it right here. Yeah, I got it. And it's okay. But we also need opportunities where it's a father-in-law that speaks a little life into us. Or I go to a mastermind group and I see another guy and we put that crown down together and we like, I love every moment of this, but it's heavy. And the resilience, persistence, having a definite aim and just going for it, you know, whatever you want to call it, all these things mixed together, everything you just said is like, you know, it's, this is, this is who I am. This yeah. is who I'm called to be. There's people on the other side of it that are like literally waiting for me. And if I don't go, then they're left. Is essence what you're saying? Would you yeah, agree? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's 100% what it was. And, you know, the way I define it sometimes, I tell people entrepreneurship, I said it's not for everybody. And, and it's, it's one of the most glorious things you'll ever do in your life. And it's one of the most loneliest things you'll ever do in your life. There's times where you're sitting there and you just feel like you're all alone. And really, in essence, you're not because there's so many other people that are out there that are working the same path you are. Yeah. And so, you know, they're walking it and we just don't know that they're out there sometimes. And so when you become, join that mastermind, you join that group and you meet those people of like your tribe, then you realize you start talking to them and they're like, oh, I, I went through something similar. And you're like, what? And, and you're like, there's more people like me. And so when you meet that tribe, then you're like, I'm a, I'm a part of something. And so, yeah. and I tell people too, is a lot of your friends, you outgrow them when you become an entrepreneur. And That's it's right. not that they're bad people or, yeah. or whatnot. And I tell new entrepreneurs all the time, they're like, no, no, you don't understand me. Me and my friends are really close. I'm like, you still might be friends, but the people you're going to talk to are going to be in this circle now. Yeah. And my friends now all own businesses. And, and so those are the people I talk to because they understand what I'm going through and it's nothing against anybody else. It's just, that's who we are now. And yeah. they, they get me and I get them and they get the struggles I go through. They get the joys. I'm, you know, other people are like, why are you starting a fourth business? I'm like, why not? And they're like, have you, don't you have enough? I'm like, no, that's just what we I want to do. Cut from you don't understand. Cloth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, you just, sorry, you just don't get what I'm doing, you know? Yeah, so exactly. Yeah. Well, and what you just did with that person is that you gave them permission to be themselves, yeah. not necessarily to have to be like you. You know, it's interesting that mentality that you were just talking about inside of gathering the Kings, we call it grateful, but not done. And there's a unique spirit that one can hold not of complacency, but of gratefulness and, and really be able to go like, wow, what I've been able to do so far, how the Lord's blessed me, my family, the business, the team, the people that work with me and for me. This is wow. So far from done though. Like yeah. this is not a, a reason to stop just because we've made it this far. In fact, if anything, it's fuel letting us know and giving us permission that we can go that much further. Would you agree with that too? 
I agree with that hundred percent. And you know, what's funny is I told you earlier, my dad had his own company and we had financial struggles and they lost, he lost everything and he was really successful. One thing he tells me and he, he even to today, he, he'll apologize for it. And I'm like, don't apologize. It was part of my story. That's how it happened. And it taught me what not to do in business. But at the same time, he always says, Ryan, don't ever think you made it to the top. He said, that's the problem. Some entrepreneurs think they made it to the top. And he's like, and I got there. He goes, I wasn't at the top. I was halfway there and I thought I was at the top and I, I stopped pushing forward because people that are true entrepreneurs, we have to push for greatness because that's how we're wired. And as yeah. soon as we stop that, that's, that's when stuff isn't, doesn't go well, whether, I mean, my dad was addiction. And so he stopped pushing and, th and then he turned to drugs and, and alcohol. Over. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. so that's, I, I, I didn't understand what he was saying for a long time. And then all of a sudden I had an aha moment one day and that's what it was. And I was like, that's what he was talking about. Yeah. Is pushing for that greatness and keep pushing because, and some people just don't understand that. And that's fine. That's their path. I, like I, I'm not knocking on anybody. This is just, God wanted me, me, me to be an entrepreneur. He wanted Michael Jordan to be a basketball player. You know, like yeah. that was his gifts. Like everybody has their different gifts and I'm not knocking on anybody, you know, but this is what I was destined to do. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. The, in essence, the practicality of that for the listener is this, um, is that you have to continually expand how big you think, because when you think that you've gotten to the top, your think has stopped growing. Mm -hmm. uh, you've gotten to the false top. And so I've, I've told this story many times. I'm a big elk hunter and you're in the Rocky Mountains hunting elk and you think it's just right up there and you, you know, you get your 40 pound pack and you go up three or four or 500 yards and it's like, then you get all the way up there and you're like, and then you see the next one and you're like, this was just a freaking false top, bro. Oh my <laughs> goodness. But that gratefulness piece that we're talking about is that in that moment of you look back and you're like, that view. Oh, but there's elk up there. Let's go. You know. Yeah, let's go, yeah. <laughs> so I, I think that there's really healthy mindset here that the listener just needs to walk away and go, well, I got to keep goals in front of me. I got to keep them bigger than I'm comfortable with. And I got to, I got to make them bigger each time I even think about getting close to them. Would you agree with that? Hey, Kings and Queens, Chaz Wolf. I want to talk to you about something that's super important to me. We put a lot of time and effort, we meaning myself and my team, into this podcast, into the content that goes out every single day. And if you have been getting any sort of value or insight from this, we want it to be able to reach other business owners too. So we would love if you would like, comment, share, leave a review, post, share again, <laughs> all of the things on social media, on all the different platforms, or even on the podcast mediums of Apple and Spotify. We would love to be able to get our content into more hands, more entrepreneurs, so they can grow their business as quick as possible. Together, we are building a community of like-minded entrepreneurs who are committed to growing their businesses to new heights. So let's do this. Let's help each other. Let's help each other grow. Yeah, that's one thing that I think we've gotten really good at is I tell people make the goal so large that they scare you. And I'm a big opponent of making like, you know, say you're at a million dollars in revenue right now and you want to, oh, I can hit 1.5 this year. Well, could you do more? Well, yeah, I probably could push a little more. Well, let's, let's make it 1.8. Well, I don't know if I could do 1.8. Well, what happens if you do 1.7? Now you did 200,000 right. more than what you originally thought. Why well, didn't hit 1.8? Well, that's, that's where our society tells us you're a failure. You're not a failure. You just did $200,000 more than what you thought. You just get to re realign your goal for next year and like whatnot. I was like, but you just did more than what you were going to do. And so I see a lot of people make safe goals because they know they can reach it versus making yep. the really lofty goal. 
And so that's one thing that I like to say and push people is, you know, make the goal so big that you might literally like you're going to stay up awake at night. Like, how am I going to get this done? Yeah, exactly. The, the, the mindset there now. So here's the gap. Let me ask you this, because this is a good follow-up question. And I get this a lot. I, I think like you think, and I find the value in expanding and, and I also understand too, that, okay, the 1.8 made me really, really nervous in your example. And so if I hit the 1.6, which was more than the 1.5 that I had originally planned, then that's good. Like yep. I can level with myself. I'm not like giving myself an excuse for not hitting the 1.8. I'm recognizing that I'm setting a really big target and I'm most likely going to fall short of really any target because that's kind of how it works. And I'm okay with that because I'm going to have ended further than I had originally planned. But the mindset there for some, they haven't worked that muscle to be able to be okay with the disappointment of I didn't hit the 1.8. They, they haven't figured out how to flip it on its head of like, well, no, you, you, you hit the 1.6 instead of the 1.5. So you actually crushed what you were yeah. going to do, but because you, you can't quite get it, what would you suggest to that listener right now who's, who struggles with that? Well, so I'm a big, I'm big mindset and big psychology. I love learning anything about mindset and psychology, which I'm really big in sales too. So it all kind of goes together, I think. That's right. Uh, so that's tricking your, your psyche to think that, 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 like you said, you're okay with, with that goal. But like I teach my sons, my sons are five and three, and then I have a nine month old, but so I'm not teaching him right now, but my five and three year old. Oh, you're teaching them. <laughs> I, I teach. Well, yeah, but I teach them that failure is not a bad thing yeah, because yeah. society tells us failure is a bad thing. Yeah. How many failures I've had along the way? Yeah, like, exactly. My, my, like we have been, we, I've had a tons of them. That just made me who I am. Oh, what? That didn't work. Okay. Well, now I know that didn't work. Let me realign and do what, figure else. out what's going to work. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. this works. Awesome. So you have to look at failure not being bad, and I think that starts in your mindset and having a growth right. mindset versus a fixed mindset. That's right. And then also not being the victim. You know, everybody thinks like everything happens to me. You know, so, oh, it's, it's always happening to me. It's always happened to me. Like that year I had that terrible, bad year, you know, if my mindset wasn't right, I would have sat there and just been like, well, everything's happening to me. I guess God doesn't want me to be successful. Yeah. You know, maybe God was making me have those challenges to become the best leader I could for my team and, you know, my company and what I needed to go forward for this mastermind. Who knows, you know, what the silver lining is. Right. And so right. sometimes you, you got to stop that. I call it the stinking way of thinking is what I tell people. You got to stop yeah. that stinking way of thinking. And and then it's just, it's just tricking your psyche into saying that, like, that was a good thing. And yeah. whether you tell yourself that it was good or bad, your mind's going to believe it. I mean, but you have to know in your heart that you believe it. That, I, hey, I did awesome. I did, I did a really big thing here. And so it's just tricking your mind. Yeah, I love it. I had a coach that I'm working with ask me this question recently. And thank goodness I've done the work already where I don't struggle with this. But I used the question with his permission at one of my events that I just did. And it's actually two parts. And the question is, do you have a negative inner voice? And I think for people that have worked through the mindset, it's like, well, I mean, yes, we all do. But like, mm -hmm. I, kick, I kick that stuff to the curb as soon as it starts, right? Yep. And so I asked in, in a group setting with some, some very successful business owners and 80, 90% of everybody's, yep, me, me, yep, me. And the reality is, is that we all do 100%, right? It's just a matter of what we do with it. And so the follow-up question to that is, why do you put up with it? And it's like, okay, when I understand what Ryan's telling me, which is life doesn't happen to me, it happens because of me. Okay, 
that means that I take ownership for things. Now we're talking about another layer of, of, of mindset, which is ownership. And, yep. and I have control and I can go change my circumstances, which is actually really empowering. But, you know, unless you have the mindset to, to kick it, you're just going to hear this negative voice that says you're not good enough or that you're always going to be this way or that you're not organized or that I didn't have a dad growing up or whatever it tells you. Whatever it is, yeah. And it's in that moment where I go, no, no, I don't put up with that, period. So it's, yes, I do, but I don't put up with it. So it's a, the, the real answers are, yes, I do, but I don't put up with it. <laughs> it's for the, for the ones out there that are listening right now that, yes, you do have a negative inner voice and you put up with it. That's the problem. And that's what Ryan's given to you right now, which is you have to be able to overcome that stuff and be able to think in, okay, it's like my inner voice is telling me you failed or that you're not good enough. And it's like, well, no, I need to flip that upside down and say, no, no, no. I, I actually am on the way to success because I now know that that solution doesn't work. It's not yeah. a solution, right? I tried, I failed quote, not really. I just tested something. It didn't work. Now I'm on to the next thing I can test. Would you like to add anything to this? Yeah. I, I love that, man. That's awesome. That's, that's, uh, I've never had anybody like I've heard that about the negative inner voice, obviously, but I've never heard anybody say why, like, hundred percent, why are you putting up with it? And I think, you know, we all have it, right. We all have times where, especially when we're hitting new limits in our company, where we're we're upper limiting ourselves, you know, and stuff. And, you know, I have to tell people, if you've never made a million dollars, you don't think it's possible. Right. Yeah. So, but, so that's the, that's the thing. Like, so once you, once you bust through some of those, I think then, and then you learn to, you know, tell that inner voice, like, Hey, you know what? No, I'm going to do great things. I'm going to do this. I I have a learning disability. I can't hear phonics. So I had to learn how to adapt with that at school. For me, I had to learn how to overcome that. I think it really helped me in a lot of aspects to become an entrepreneur and what I, what I do now. And that's why I'm a really good speaker, I think, is because I'm not good at writing on paper, but I'm really good at communicating by word of mouth. Yeah. So it's one of those things that I could tell my inner voice could tell me, well, hey, you shouldn't go read that. But there's times where like we have our meetings at work and I have to read, you know, our reviews that people wrote and stuff. And, and every right. time my voice is sitting there going, you're going to mess this up. And I'm just like, don't, I'm not even going to listen to it. I'm just going to do this, you know? So yeah. I think that it's just learning how to keep that at bay Yeah, and you know, keep it. it down because if you give it fuel, then it's just going to rage, you know? Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. I'm going to share something with you after the show is over. So, so unfortunately the listeners won't get to, won't get to hear it, but don't let me forget Okay. When the show's over, I guess I'm going to share with you on that. Okay, so let's flip the coin. We were just talking about failures. Tell me the thing that you can look back on, the decision. And it was like, ah, I didn't do that, but you really did. What was it? So you're, you're pretty much talking about a time that we did something that we, I was like, oh, bad choice. Done it. Yep, yeah, bad terrible. Choice. Yep. So, what can we learn honestly, from? What, what, what can you save me time from, Ryan? <laughs> yeah, you know, for, I think for us, Early on, I, one of the biggest things I tell people nowadays is if I went to go start a new company right now, the first thing I would do is I would make sure I have an office manager in the office. I'm not, I'm not an office manager. I'm not good at that. We tried for so long to keep with it, not, not to do it. And then we had an office manager and during going to Christmas season, she had to have emergency surgery. And I'm like, you know what? I can do that. I can answer the phones and I can do the <laughs> estimates and run a truck. And I got like four hours of sleep every night and it was miserable. Yeah. And we didn't grow that year because of, I, I was trying to wear all the hats when I shouldn't have. Right. So right. I think the biggest thing is 
is early on, don't wear all the hats, learn how to delegate and like, you know, find out what you're really good at. If you, if you are that office person, then maybe you hire a salesperson, you hire an ops person. If you're the ops person, then you hire a salesman and a, you know, whatever, whatever the hats that you don't need to be wearing. And, and the thing is nowadays it's so much easier. Like I have a VA, you know, you can hire a VA and it's, you know, it's not that much money and you could have somebody in the office helping you. So nowadays it's so much easier to try to find people to assist you. That, that would probably be my biggest thing is just learn how to delegate and, and get really good at it. If there's something that you need to learn, I think, and as an entrepreneur is delegation. And it, it took, I'm a very driven individual and I hold people to high standards. So it took me a while to learn how to properly delegate stuff to people. Sure. I'll admit it. And, but now I'm really good at it. And so it's like, you know, I'm like, oh yeah, I don't need to be doing this. I'll just give this to this person or give it to that person. And, yeah. you know. Sometimes I like to get the system down and then I'm, then I turn it over to them. So it's just, you know, but I think that's it. I would say. Yeah. That's just a trailblazer. You know, you got to blaze the trail a little bit, get a, get a good competent understanding and then hand it off. There's nothing wrong with that at all. That's typically how an entrepreneur is going to do it. So I actually, I agree. And I think that that's great. You will find though, that, you know, the bigger, the bigger, the opportunity, the bigger, the think of the individual. And so this is for the listener is that you'll start from the top down as opposed to the bottom up. And, and rather than hiring the one individual or the VA to kind of help you just with the little things and help you get cracking. And, and I've done this many times, you'll start in reverse then mm -hmm. rather than that, you'll start with, okay, no, who's my integrator? Who's, who's the, the chief of staff or the key holder, you know, who's, who's, who, what's the leadership team look like? You know, yep. well, we don't have any revenue yet. Okay. But I know I need these people in order to be able to really handle growth because when you've done it enough times, like you and I have, it's like, well, I already know I'm going to get the phone to ring. I know that we're going to have a sales process developed and I'm putting somebody in that shoe or in that, in that seat is going to be fine. Like I could go do that right now. <clears throat> but what happens when they go sell a bunch of stuff? Then we're just going to be a mess again, unless yeah. I develop from the top down. Yeah. Which I agree with that. And, and so that's for, yeah, obviously if you've done it and you, you have that knowledge, if you don't, it's okay for you to wear multiple hats but go ahead uh, and create absolutely. all their seats in your org chart and, and, and then have them have it in your back of your mind. Okay. What's the first one I want to hire? What's the second That's one right. I want to hire and so on. And that game plan, because it's yep. very easy to go three, five years down the road and you're still wearing all those hats. Move and on. I've talked to so many people. Yeah. And they're barely growing and they're like, why am I not growing? I'm like, cause you're wearing all the hats. Definitely. There's only so many hours in a day. You can't handle everything yep. with and grow. So you got to stay the size you are, you know? Yep. So I think that's a, that's a huge one. Yeah, it's, it's, it's good stuff, man. I hope they're paying attention to you. I want to ask you some, some harder hitting questions here in the speed round. My first one's about KPIs. And so you got several okay. different businesses. So this is going to be an interesting answer. I want one KPI, the most important, the one thing that you would track forever and ever. What is it? Sales. Sales okay. numbers. Yeah, I'm, I'm a sales guy. So that's probably number one for me, right? I don't like the saying sales fixes everything because I don't think it fixes everything. I think the money from the sales can fix most things. Right. So I think if your sales are trending up and they're going upwards, then you know everything else should should be falling in line. I'm not saying there's not going to be issues and stuff, but yeah. if your sales are down, you're gonna it's gonna trickle down throughout the whole company, right? Yeah. So yeah. it's I think I think sales is the life line of, of a business. There's a lot of other stuff I track. I love numbers. I hate building spreadsheets and stuff, but I love the data and I love looking at it because the numbers will never lie to you. They'll tell you yeah. exactly what's going on, That's but right. sales number one for sure. Yeah. Real quick here. The reason why someone like Ryan loves data, but hates data entry or spreadsheets is yes, it's a personality thing, but 
it's because data represents decisions. And so for the listener right now, if, if you're not a quote unquote data guy, like Ryan's like, Oh, I love data. Give me, give me, give me. Right. <clears throat> and you can be a data guy and like data entry. That's fine. Oh, yeah. But what we're talking about is give me a report. And what the report does is it tells me a story. And so that story then helps me make decisions. And so for the listener right now, if, if you don't have reports or if you're not a quote unquote data guy, I would highly suggest that you do that. You do that. You become that because that's the story of what's happened. And then also based on your projections, what's happening and you can make decisions. This whole show so far has been good and bad decision and the, re the repercussions or the results of, right? Data is decisions. Would you agree? Yep. hundred percent. Yeah. I, I've never heard it say that, but that's hundred percent. That's probably why I like it is, and I, I'm a very task oriented person. So for me, I can, I can look at each thing and say, okay, this person's doing their tasks. This person's doing their tasks. This person, this department's doing their tasks because yeah. the numbers aren't are going to tell me the truth. Right. If I, if I look at one salesperson and, and his numbers are way down, well, have you been doing your follow-up calls? You're here, here in your column right here. You haven't been doing your follow-up calls. That's probably why your sales are trending down right now. Oh, you yeah, haven't? Okay, well, that's why. Let's go ahead and get them up, you know? So how can I help you with that? You know, what's what's the yeah. disconnect or whatnot, so. Yeah, it's good. What was, what's a good book or a business resource, podcast, or something that you've been part of that you've listened to or read that's been beneficial to you? Well, I'm a huge mindset. So the book Mindset by Carol Dweck. Is, okay. I think everybody should read that one. I don't know if you've ever read that. But, yeah, what's your uh, takeaway from that? It's kind of what I talked about earlier is, you know, it's living in a growth or fixed mindset. Right. You know, I live in a growth mindset. I live in abundance is what I tell people. I train people and we live, we're in North Atlanta. I train people in the Atlanta area every year to get in Christmas lights, like five or six people. And people always ask me, why are you training your competition? And I said, we have so much work. They're not affecting me. I'm not, I don't mean that mean, but my competition is me yesterday or me last year. And I'm like, I want them to know how to install it properly and how to charge and to be good for the, the, the whole, you know, industry versus going out and, you know, undercharging and, you know, doing bad work and then being a business in a year or two. And then, you know, so I live in abundance and I'm not a victim. And so I think that's, you know, I tell everybody they need to read that book. I don't care if you're an entrepreneur or what you do in your life. If our world, if everybody was in a growth mindset, Oh yeah, it would just be amazing. Like it would, it, and that's the problem though, is so many people want to be a victim and they want to, you know, like I thought I can, we'd have to have more hours, but I can tell you about all the stuff in my life. And, you know, I'm an open book. I'll tell anybody about it, but there's so much stuff that's happened in my life that you people be like, Holy cow. Like, right. you know, like Ryan could be a victim if he wanted to, but that's, oh, yeah. that's not who I am. So, oh, yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. And I think, <clears throat> I think that that, that story that you're, that you're half telling there of like, you don't know the real story is true for all entrepreneurs. It just doesn't get, it doesn't get shared a whole bunch, which is part of the podcast like this. That's why I ask about a bad decision because it, it is part of it. It is interesting. I heard something recently in the last probably six months or so that I really liked about abundance. Cause I'm like you, I'm like abundance, open hand. Like there's enough, you know, there's just, you can't be successful in sales or business without that. I feel, yep. <clears throat> but the phrase was this, I'm not afraid of abundance or the question could be, are you afraid of Great. abundance? Wonderful. And, and it's like, man, when you really like work that question in your mind, you can say, I believe in abundance or I'm about abundance, but we still have limiting beliefs about what we do and what we don't do or what we say or what we don't say or how we act or what we don't act with our money, without our money, with certain resources, because it's abundance in all of it. Mm -hmm. and, and so a lot of times we, we shy away from the stage or the shiny thing that, you know, is material or, you know, and I'm not really big on a lot of that stuff anyway, but, but even that it's like, am I afraid of abundance? 
Yeah. You know, it's, a, I mean, it's a powerful we, question when you really wrestle with it, man. And, and, and I, I think, I think there's times where we all can be, like you said, limiting beliefs or whatnot, but I just try to live myself in abundance with everything. That's right. And I think it's, it's just like anything in life, right? Like nobody's perfect. We're all working at everything. Right. And we're all trying to be godlike, you know? And, and so it's something we're always striving for, but if you look at the other way to live, or you look at this way to live, I'd rather be on this side of it all day, any day than being the victim. And yeah. so that's, that's my thing is, you know, I mean, I'm a, I read tons of books and tons of podcasts. That's all I do when I'm driving around all the time. So I have a huge list of like books and podcasts I listen to, but that's just my number one that I'd say that like, that's the one that I think everybody should listen to. Love it. Or, love it. Or I listen to them, but read, I guess. Yeah. Oh yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> I'm the same way. I got a question for you about family. <clears throat> I'm on this, uh, this like mission, I guess, to, to help entrepreneurs around obsession in all areas of their life, not just their business, but you and I both know we've talked for the last hour about obsession yep. in all of our businesses. How have you, Ryan, been obsessed with your family or your marriage or your kids at the same like intensity at the same time as your business? So something early on, well, I mentioned earlier, my dad was went drugs and alcohol. And I always told myself, I don't want to be the dad that my kids get home and then they know dad's gonna have a drink, right? Don't get me wrong. I like to have a drink every now and then or whatnot. You know, I, I might be barbecuing on Saturday and have a, a whiskey or something, but I don't drink every day. It's not what I want to do. So I'm really purposeful and intentional about my time with my children. So when I get home, I used to, before me and my wife were just married, I would come home and I'd work. I'd type up quotes, I would do work and stuff. But then once I had my children, I was like, that's stopping. So I'd say I'm probably 95% of the time, I don't do that. Every now and then I have to get on a call or a podcast has to be done late. But I'd say it's probably 90, 95% of the time, I'm, once I get home, I'm done working. And so that's their time with me and them. Me and my wife both like to cook. So we'll both cook and you know whatnot. And so we share that together, eat dinner together with them. Uh, and then Saturdays, almost every single Saturday, I make waffles for my sons and they love it. And they, they look forward to it. They, you know, help me. We're just really purposeful on spending time with them. This past weekend, we took them to the Fox Theater, downtown Atlanta, to the Bluey. My mom got us tickets for their birthdays and we made a whole day out of it. Went to dinner and went to ice cream afterwards. And yeah. so, you know, it's, it's those, they'll remember the memories. They're yeah. not going to remember the gifts I got them, right? Yeah. They're not going to remember in three years what they got for their fifth birthday, but they're going to remember when we went to Bluey and they're going to remember, I mean, my son still talks about went to Disney on ice, like two years ago, my oldest son, like, he's like, dad, remember when we went to Disney on ice? I'm like, yeah, I remember. So being purposeful about those, making those memories and doing things with them, because I think as entrepreneurs, we have, that's one of the things that I like being a being an entrepreneur is we have the ability to be able to say, Hey, you know what, today they, my son graduated last Friday from kindergarten. I was pre-K and guess what? I have the ability. I just, I'm not going in today. I'm, I'm spending the whole day with him. We went to lunch afterwards, like, you know, so I have the ability to be able to do that kind of stuff, you know, with them. So I think that's one of the benefits. Yeah, that's cool. It's, it's pancakes on Saturday mornings in the Wolf House, but uh, ah, we'll, we'll see your we pancake. pancakes. We'll sometimes. See <laughs> sometimes we do pancakes. They will switch up every now and then, but I'd say about 80% of the time it's waffles. waffles. Hey, so. I love a good waffle. So I think we're yeah. in alignment. No problem. I got one last question here for you, Ryan. I want to know if you had the opportunity to whisper in the younger Ryan's ear, what would you say? Oh man, I'd probably say find like a mentor or coach earlier in my business career. I think, I think that would have been the thing I would have said, because I think if I would have had somebody like I did probably about eight years into my business career, if I would have early on, 
I would have been on a lot higher trajectory. And I think that's the biggest thing is find that tribe, find that mentor, find, you know, even if you got to pay for it, it doesn't matter, but find somebody that's in your corner that's going to give you sound advice that that's done what you want to do. Right. Yeah. I think that's very important. Make sure when you, when you're going to a mastermind or you're going to a coach, do your due diligence and make sure that person has done what you, what you want to do. I, I never want to take advice from somebody that I wouldn't trade spaces with, you know? Yeah. So. Yeah, that's good. Good stuff, man. I appreciate you being vulnerable about the family and the younger Ryan. I think that both of those are very huge. How can the listener find you? Number one, if they are a lighting company or want to get yeah. into lighting and they want to they want to join a mastermind that's specifically for lighting guys, how can they find you? But then what if they just want to you know get to know you on an entrepreneurial yeah. level? How can they find you? Yep. So the mastermind is beyondthebulbs.com. So they can go there. There's a questionnaire you can fill out and then we'll set up a good fit call. And it can, even if you want to get into life, you can still join the mastermind. We just have you go through what's called Clippa. It's another organization that we're part of. Go through their training first and then you can become, you can become in our learners group. Or if you've already been in, then you can come on in in one of the other groups. And then if you just want to reach out to me, Facebook's the best way. Ryan Fox, if you just look it up and I have people Facebook message me and stuff all the time. And I try, I try to get back to everybody pretty timely, but sometimes, you know, if I'm busy, like stuff like this, my VA will reach back out to him and say, Hey, Ryan will get to you when he's, he's available, but I, I'm, I love helping people. So if anybody wants to get into the lights, I'll be more than happy to talk to you about it or just business in general. You know, I, I like helping people. So yeah, that's cool. Let me know. You did say that was why you're doing it. So yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's good. That's good alignment. You, you kept, yeah. kept the same story there. That's good. <laughs> Ryan, you're a great business guy. You've got a lot going on in your world and I'm happy to know you. And I'm just so thankful that you got to share here today and give some value. I hope that, that you walk away feeling power to tell your story, man, because it's pretty powerful. You've done a lot of really, really cool things. So I'm, I'm glad to know you. Blessings upon your family and your businesses and everything that you're touching here in 2023. Thanks for being here, brother. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. I really appreciate it. Thank you for listening to Gathering the Kings today. I hope that you were able to pull out a few nuggets to go apply into your business right away. More importantly, though, I hope that you're realizing that it takes more to be successful than just being by yourself, doing it all on your own, carrying the weight all by yourself. What I have realized, not only in my own journey from multiple businesses and multiple different industries and now interviewing literally over two or 300 other very successful seven, eight and nine figure business owners is that it's tough to do it alone. And so Gathering the Kings literally exists to bring together successful entrepreneurs. In fact, we are putting together 1,000 kings, specifically who are grateful but not done. We're intentionally assembling kings who fight tooth and nail for their business, family, and communities. And here's what we believe, that in the pursuit of excellence in those areas, that it ignites within us the responsibility to govern power and forge a lasting legacy. So if that relates and, and resonates with you, and you know that you need people around you, sharp, qualified, other very successful business owners, I want you to go to gatheringthekings.com. I want you to take a look at what we're doing and see if it makes sense for you to be part of our pursuit to 1,000 Kings. Talk soon.